All right, special guest today, Anders Holm. How are you doing, man? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm very good. Now, um, swimmer, former swimmer. So uh, we got you on here to talk swimming. What else do you do? I'm kidding. Uh, kidding. That, that was my attempt at a joke. You see that? Uh, I, I try and run. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, I've been uh, out in LA trying to make a go of this uh, Hollywood career, you know? I know. It's interesting. Uh, in, in t I've, I've known swimmers who were witty. I've never known anyone that was really funny and, and took it, uh, took the comedian route, you know, like this, right. we always meet people that are kind of witty, but being, being really funny is, is a different level of funniness, right? How did you first establish that you were on a different level? Um, I mean, thank you. I, yeah. Okay. Um, I, I wouldn't say I'm on a different, different level. I would just say, I like being funny and I thought, let's try and make this a job. Right. Um, and you know, growing up as a swimmer, especially here in the States, like it's, it's swimming. So mm -hmm. even if you're like pretty good at it or like, mm -hmm. you know, people know who you are because you're, you know, doing well in like the state or whatever, nobody cares and you're wearing a speedo. So mm -hmm. it's not like taken seriously. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I just always like goofing off, you know? Um, and I grew up watching a ton of movies and was like, I think instead of just being funny, I was always like, I think it'd be cool to be a part of something like that and to create some kind of like touchstone that people like myself will grow up watching over and over and over again, you know? Really? So like, you know, most swimmers dream of, of being at the Olympics, which I'm sure you probably had some of those at, at some stage because we all kind of go through that. But but at, at the same time, you're dreaming of like being on film and being, being a star that way at a young age. Yeah. I mean, not, not even being um, like when people go, who were your like comedy icons? It was more like the people who made the movies. Like Harold mm. Ramis was in Ghostbusters, but also like directed a bunch of movies, wrote movies. Um, so I liked, and like Ben Stiller, like these guys who could do it behind the camera and in front of the camera. And I was more about um, wanting to be the guy behind the camera because I'm a writer. I enjoy writing. Mm. Um, I enjoy that process. And then when I moved to LA, I was like, well, I can't, you can't meet people as a writer. You're just in your room writing all day. Um, mm. So I joined the second city in Los Angeles to kind of, which is writing on your feet. You're improvising. And that's where I met Adam Devine and started mixing it up with his friends. And we formed our group that later on made Workaholics. Um, but yeah, I, so in high school, I was a swimmer, but I also did like the comedy show every year, mm. um, except for my senior year when I was like, I got to focus on swimming and get into a better college. So like, <laughs> I, I can't be messing around with you guys because I was a pretty uh, bad student. So now listen, know. most coaches don't like it when the swimmers are, are you know, jerking I mean, around, you know, it, it was a, it was kind of um, my first two years in high school. We had a, a coach who wasn't as serious as our, my second, my coach for junior and senior year who was uh -huh. like, look, man, we got to cut this out. So I would swim in the mornings and then go to like rehearsal in the afternoons my junior year, uh, which was not great for either, you know? Yeah. 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 Sorry. I just flipped you back and forward there. I'd like to see a close up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Get um, in here. See the sunspot. It's a good, it's a good. <laughs> the, the, like the, the sunspots from the goggles that, uh, absorb the sun and just reflect it right out of my skin. I will say this while we're on your face, I, I noticed that you're, you're very facial when you act, you know, like you, that you, your, your mannerisms come through in the expression in your face. Is that something that you've trained to do? No, I don't think so. Not that I, <laughs> not to my knowledge, but yeah, I mean, I guess that, that translates that like the camera likes somebody's face who's like expressive, you know? Right. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know what that is. Oh, oh, so you don't? You, you hey, stop it. zooming in on me. You're making me have some sort of <laughs> no, I love it. Here. You yeah. did this little monologue the other day on on your Instagram, where you're like, "Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna you know log off Instagram for you know a pot period of time," and then you right. you know you went into like this. You talk about 45 minutes kind of thing. It was hilarious, by the way. Right. But but I was just like intrigued with your facial expressions the whole time. Yeah. Like your face had me hanging there. I was like. Right. Like I could, I could read the emotions and kind of everything that you were trying to tell me was all in your facial expressions. Yeah. I mean, like you do end up learning <clears throat> after a few years of being on camera, especially like this close up that we're, we're doing mm -hmm. here. 
yeah. where like even just the little like the littlest eye movement we recognize as humans like oh they see something far away like little tiny yeah. facial mannerisms to help describe the emotions behind the face right yeah. uh so yeah for that when i was like trying to express that like i just need to take time like making facial expressions that make it look like i'm really turning the gears about how i'm supposed to express myself and then of course on the b side of that the joke was that i could only stay off instagram for 45 minutes and <laughs> yeah, a lot I, i'm a loser and can't have no self-control <laughs> I thought it was good. Um, yeah. Good stuff. Now, listen, in terms of your swimming, let's talk about that. So why did you end up picking Wisconsin? Why'd you go there? Um, I only went on a couple of recruiting trips. I went to Kansas and then I went to Wisconsin. And I think I had one lined up at uh, Miami of Ohio. Um, but after my Wisconsin trip, I was like, that's a wrap. Mm. Um, not only did they have the shittiest pool, <laughs> <They do. laughs> but uh I just liked the guys. I liked Madison. Mm. Um, it was kind of familiar. I'm from outside Chicago. It's only two and a half hours away. Um, but I just, I just liked the vibe. And I thought that it was a small team. I think my freshman year, we had 14 guys on the team. Oh, wow. um, small. Yeah. Who was the coach? Uh, it was Eric Hansen. Oh, Eric. Um, okay. And, uh, well, actually, I'll, I signed with Nick Hansen who then pieced out and then like a month later, they're like, his brother, Eric Hansen's going to be the coach. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, okay. Okay. I'm, I guess he can't be that different. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I just, uh, I liked Wisconsin. It was, it was also the best university like school that uh, I could have gotten into grades wise mm. and swimming wise. Um, and, you know, I only got like, a, a few grand here like you know partial scholarship kind of thing but you know what are you gonna do you take what you can get um now mad respect for the sprint free though i gotta i gotta respect that was that was that always a thing sprint free was it i you know what to keep it real uh it was probably the vanity of the sprint events you know oh, of course yeah that that I gravitated towards being yeah. like, oh, I like to be on stage. It's like, hmm. what what's the difference between the stage and the blocks, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I also I just wasn't a guy who could really, really put the hammer down in practice consistently, you know. Like mm -hmm. there were guys on our high school team that could just there was almost no difference between practice and the meets, right? Right, yeah, yeah. They would just kind of dust me doing like a set of eight 200s on whatever yeah. and i'd be like oh, i can't really hang in there but then when we had to do a 200 of the meat i'm beating them by five six seconds I, yeah i don't know i i just yeah. never had that kind of capacity um for training um and that was apparent when i got to college for sure <laughs> did, did you do the full four years were you on the team four years i was on the team uh two years in a summer and then i i made a mistake and got in a bar fight and was terminated from the team oh really you got booted yeah i got booted it was not great for uh the other person involved in the fight there was like police and hospitals involved and uh <laughs> it was you know uh one of those shorthanded mistakes that you make when you don't realize what you've got um you kind of take it for granted and you're like, oh, I'm fucking ripped and jacked. Someone needs to know about it. Like, you know, do that. You don't seem like a fighter, though. You don't, you don't feel like, I don't feel like you're the guy at the bar that's going to pick a fight. And I'm not. I'm not. But I I think I, I, I here and there would attract tough guys, you know, who, mm -hmm. you know, when you're a swimmer, you're, at least I was very thin, but like, you know, when in college, I was probably 175 and I'm six foot three. That's pretty thin. But you're also benching like 265, right? Yeah. So like you're kind of this machine and people feel like they can test you because you're kind of wavy. But then you're like, hey, man, mm. don't, don't test me. Um, and I've probably gotten over that chip on my shoulder. <laughs> uh, and yeah, it was just one of those things where I shouldn't have done it and um, instantly regrettable. And it, it took a lot away from me. Um, I don't think I had like Olympic dreams, but like I was on the cusp of making seniors at that point. Like I changed my stroke that summer um, and was having best times going into my junior year. 
and then I just threw it all uh, down the drain um, and, and continued training on my own in hopes to like get a second shot back on uh -huh. the team. But hmm. uh, I was like a contributing guy on the team. I wasn't going to NCs like, like not everybody else, but like right. half the team at least. Um, right. You know, and if I was a guy who was going 19, uh, maybe I would have still been on the team. Who knows? So it was an e easier cut in their mind. Like, all right, he, yeah. he's going to cause trouble. We don't need him around. Then, but, yeah, uh, that kind of thing. And you know, I can't, I can't blame him. He don't want to rock the boat. And, you know, oh, we're in a non-revenue sport. Like the the AD doesn't want to hear that there's like a swimmer going getting arrested, <laughs> starting bar fights. You know. <laughs> so uh, was there thoughts of transferring, or you just stuck it out there? No, I just stuck it out. I, it was. I don't know. I mean, my, my parents were like, well, like, think about transferring after they were like, hey, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> like, mm -hmm. you know, I, I had definitely heard it for them from them. And, um, you know, they were they were not happy with that, but then thought about me transferring. And I just I liked Madison. Uh, I liked my teammates. I didn't want to leave them. And again, I was like uh not falling out of love with the sport but when you get to college and i've heard you talk about it on the podcast this is it's the equivalent of becoming a professional essentially yeah. if you're if you want to be competing in a certain level you can't have one foot out the door no. um no. and you know when we would go on our training trips between practices everyone's going and hanging out at the beach and half the time i was like writing screenplays already you know oh, i had these wow. interests outside of the sport i had some friends outside of the team um which you know you'd get some some guff from your teammates like oh you're gonna go hang out with your other friends and you're like yeah it's a whole yeah. different it's a whole different yeah. world over there and that's yeah. fine and uh but yeah i guess you know my focus wasn't as um dedicated as maybe it could have been should have been who knows but you never cut it away. You know, you never cut swimming out completely. I mean, obviously it's, it's, no. it's bred throughout your, your workaholics work, you know, yeah, you, yeah. you can see it all in there. Um, the, the identification of even being a swimmer is, is part of who you are. I love um, it. You know, you've kept your friends, all that yeah. sort of thing. You've even kept connected to the sport itself, you know? Yeah. I, I, I love swimming. So like swimming for me, mm -hmm. I was a horrible student, right? But like swimming got me into a, a a college. I don't even know if I would have gotten into college without swimming. Swimming helped me travel around the country. Like swimming took me places that other things never did, never could. Uh, swimming gave me confidence. Swimming kept me out of trouble. You know, like I had a lot of friends who just like disappeared in high school. Mm -hmm. You know what yeah. I mean? Like you literally were gone. You're like, where'd they go? They got <laughs> sent away or like dropped out mm -hmm. of school. And, you know, my parents were like, you can't hang out after school. You got to go to practice, you know? And yeah, yeah. for a guy who didn't have much else to grab onto, like that was it. And then on top of that, I just, I was thinking about this com before coming on to hear about why I like swimming. What made me decent at it was that I just, I liked the water. I liked, mm. I love just cutting through the water on race day and looking up and seeing a best time. Mm -hmm. I wasn't I wasn't a big like uh competitive guy. Winning right. was winning was like the icing on the cake for me. Mm. It was less about the race and more about feeling the speed, doing feeling the execution and seeing the time yeah. drop, yeah. you know. Um and I was just like a water kid. I just liked hanging out after practice, doing like bubble rings or like mm. flipping off the diving board. I just likes hanging out in the water yeah for people like that 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 never really goes away like if you've got water in your blood it's it's there forever it doesn't matter what you're right. doing beyond that right right and so now that i'm 41 and i i train sometimes here uh at the pool around the way i dive in every day for my warm-up and i just do a streamlined 25 kick the whole way mm. and i'm just like feeling the water you know i'm not rushing mm -hmm. to warm up mm, right you know, I just, I enjoyed the sensation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But you, uh, you have picked up, uh, some competitive stuff now with you doing triathlon. Is that what you're doing? I just did one, uh, the other day, my buddy, um, who I swam with in high school, actually, 
who is a pretty damn fast uh, runner, was like, hey, man, like the Malibu Triathlon's coming up. Let's do it. I'm like, it's in a, a month. I don't know. <laughs> and I'm, go I was, I'm going back and forth filming something in Vancouver, so it's not super easy to train for. But, yeah. uh, you know, if the swim is it's uh, 1.5K, it's a 40K bike, it's a 10K run, it's not crazy. So I was like, let's do it. I mean, and that sounds crazy to me. <laughs> you know, and it's flat. It's in Malibu, uh, just oh, on okay. the PCH there. And yeah. there's not many hills, so you're not going to kill yourself. But he got COVID the week of and was like, mm. I can't do it. Um, <laughs> so I did it on my own and uh, did pretty good. I liked, I, it was, it, I didn't, I was never out there being like, why am I doing this? This is insane. Right, but, right. but then I tried to uh, put the hammer down for the, like the last quarter mile and felt like two little snaps in my calf. And then I had to just kind of like, <laughs> like crow hop the last quarter mile, which was uh, not the best. So limp it in. But you look good, man. You look fit. I mean, you look strong. You look healthy. That's that's a good thing. Yeah. I mean, I, I was in the water for three weeks straight. Um, I even was in, in Vancouver. They've got this amazing pool right on the ocean there mm. uh, in Kitsilano. It's 150 yards long. Oh, shit. Wow. And so like you know, you might as well be open water swimming. Dude, um, get a photo of that and put it on Instagram for me. I need to see what that looks like. I will. It's pretty cool. I actually hit the location um, thing and then... Uh, yeah, don't do that. You don't want people... No, no, no. Sorry. I wasn't tagging myself. I like wanted to see like oh. who else is swimming here. And uh, oh, okay. is it Brett Hayden? The Brent, yeah, Brent Hayden. Brent yeah. Hayden. He was like, he was just there two weeks ago. Like, it's always good to get back to this pool. <laughs> and uh, it's a different animal because on the bottom of the pool, it says like 25 yards, 50 yards, 75. Oh. Oh, and, when, and when you get to 100 yards, you're like, what is this pool? How does this keep going? <laughs> Yeah, um, I've never even heard of that. That's outrageous. No, it's it. it's cool. It was nice. And it's just two lanes. It's a huge pool that people are playing on on either side. And then down the middle, there's two lanes about 10 feet apart. One is one direction, one's the other. And you just kind of do a big circle. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I had a little bit of, I did some timed 1500s there before and knew I was going to be okay. Um, but yeah, it was... It's fun. I, I like to still kind of uh, pretend I can do these things, you know? I mean, you can. It's not, it's not pretending. You're doing them. That's cool. Yeah. Um, let me let me take you back a little bit further then. So, you know, my girlfriend, Carrie Hain, uh, said she knows you, said said she met you, uh, you know, through through the swimming scene. And yeah. um, I just was so impressed with how down to earth you were and like knew you from like early days of where you had nothing like no money yeah. no you know you weren't you weren't going anywhere struggling and carrie yeah. used to come to our like open mic like sketch shows with my oh, buddy really? yeah my so my buddy matt marshall uh who swam with me in wisconsin and then after college trained out here at usc with carrie mm -hmm. um you know post dave salo i guess was yep, coaching him. i don't know and uh so he was my homie down in Orange County, I guess he was living. Yeah. And we would just go back and forth and hang out. And I'd be like, dude, will you please come to my sketch shows with my buddy, mm. Adam, Blake, and Kyle? <laughs> We're just trying to like make people laugh. There's free beer. Come on up. So yeah, he definitely brought Carrie one time. I think like uh, Usma Luli came to a yep. show and yep. was like, uh, you know, I'm like, oh, dude, you're super fast. And then to watch him have success just a couple Olympics later, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, well into his career, actually, you know, he hung in there for a while, but yeah. So yeah, I've known Carrie forever. Um, and uh, yeah, that's a crazy coincidence. Yeah. She said, you know, the thing she said, like, you know, she knew you from, from when no one knew you in, in, in terms of just the struggle. So like, talk yeah. to me about that, like that, I mean, for, for anyone in swimming too, that perseverance is just part of what we do. And like, the, there's never end any guarantee that you're going to end up where you want to be, but it's like, and that's kind of probably the same thing that happened to you when you moved out to LA of like, all right, I got to take this chance, but I yeah. know that it's going to put me in the best position to be where I want to be. Was that kind of the, the thought behind it? Yeah. And it, like, like there's, there's total correlations. Like I was all in on swimming, um, in, in, in in high school in like to make it to college and like right, to right. motivate my teammates and like 
Uh, I had a guy in my class who was just as fast as me. We had guys who were a couple of years younger that were that became very, very fast. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I looked at motivating that team as like going all in and like really obsessing over um, becoming great and having a great team. And then when I lost all that in college, I was like, okay, time to go all in on myself and really right. start focusing on writing. And when I moved to LA, people were like, like, how do you know you're going to make it? I go, cause I'm going to like, you know, and it's the same confidence of like getting on the blocks. Yeah. You, you convince yourself that you're going to win. You might not win, but then you get back on the blocks and you go, well, yeah, sure. I didn't win that one. I'm going to win the next one though. Even if you're not going to win that one. Yeah. Um, You have that kind of delusional focus that ends up getting you what you want eventually you know, um, or at least how though, like how, how, because there, there is, it's competitive, right? Like swimming is competitive and what you're doing. So you moved to LA, every man and their mother fucking dogs moving to LA to be, to be famous and, and, and and make a career. So like, you're now in a position where everybody else wants to do what you're doing. So how then do you create that separation? consistency i mean i would come out here and i'd meet people that i'd be like wow that guy's really funny like uh i'm gonna hang out with them and then you realize like personality wise they're like super flaky not focused and you just go oh even though this person's hyper talented yeah they're not gonna make it out here and when i met adam divine super competitive guy okay Mm -hmm. there's no doubt in my mind this guy and funny obviously super talented but i was like there's no doubt in my mind this guy will not take no for an answer. Um, And he had met Blake and Kyle out here and those guys were super funny. So you got a sense of not seriousness, but dedication and, um, you know, people, they wanted to make things and we were making sketches every week relentlessly for years before Mm. anything like really took off. Um, And then when Comedy Central saw finally discovered some of these sketches we had a meeting we went in there by this time we were this well-oiled machine of comedy so a meeting was less of a meeting and more of like us performing for these people and Mm. them being like we gotta bottle this and make money off of it somehow right so it's the same thing as when i joined that team per se with these guys it was like yo man we're a relay you know and uh we got to work together. We got to be accountable. People can't flake. And, um, you know, when you see talent and commitment in people around you, it makes you step up and be more accountable. Um, so it, it's, it's probably something I learned from doing that sort of thing in high school and college. Yeah, because swim, swimming is the daily grind. Like the, when the alarm goes off, it's not like, eh, you know what, maybe not today. It's like, you got to show up, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, for me, it was a little bit like, what are we doing? It's 530 in the morning. But then you get there and, and, and that is the difference with high school and college is you get to college. Everyone was all American, right? Like everyone's Mm. six, three, everyone's pretty strong, you know? And if they're not six, three and they're five, eight, they're the most competitive person you've ever met with sick underwaters. Right. And uh, that's when I I was like, oh, these people have that mental um, appetite that I just didn't have where every practice for them was the meat. You know, every right. practice was a throwdown. And for me, I was like, isn't the throwdown in like two weeks when we go to Minnesota or whatever? <laughs> um, but I just... I, and I think that the guys younger than me who got the new coach that I had my last two years, this guy, Kevin Auger who was a Canadian Olympian, a Canadian Olympian in the 80s, mm-hmm. uh, the boycott year, actually, yep. uh, who swam at Indiana, Doc Councilman, post mm-hmm. Mark Spitz. He knew what he was doing, and he created a, an atmosphere at my high school, Evanston Township High School outside Chicago, where, like, legit stars came out after me. Um, and so... I just didn't have that foundation going into college. I lost 10 pounds just from like the mileage that we uh, increased. And um, 
eventually when I started gaining it all back and kind of recalibrating my body was acting like a fool, put it all to an end. We individualize training in the pool. So why not individualize your nutrition? Erica Barney of Barney Wellness Building will help you and your swimmers get exactly what each athlete needs through genetic testing and personalized nutrition plans. So stop guessing what you should and shouldn't be putting into your body. Athletes within a few weeks have noticed they're recovering faster because they're fueling their body with what they need and staying away from what their body hates. Erica understands swimming. She gets it. She's worked with over 20 Olympians, including the fastest man in the world, Caleb Dressel. Group discounts are available. So go to Biney Wellness Building and get in touch with Erica today. That's Biney, B-E-I-N-E, wellnessbuilding.net. Swim Angelfish. Swim Angelfish is an online certification program that strengthens your teaching curriculum to serve swimmers of all abilities. Swim Angelfish will prepare you and your instructors with the skills to teach swimmers with autism, physical disabilities, anxiety, sensory and motor conditions, and more. Learn to teach skills faster and with more comfort with Swim Angelfish. Apply for an only alpha pool product scholarship and receive up to 50% off your certification. Go to swimangelfish.com today to apply. Um, so, so you go out there, you meet these group of guys, you kind of, you're all on the same wavelength in terms of, you know, where you're at, you know, with your writing, your comedy and, and kind of just your ambition. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was, I was listening to a podcast with Mr. Beast, you know, we all know Mr. Beast and, sure. and, and he was kind of talking about how he would tell his mom, yeah, I'm going to college. And then he would sit, sit in his car and just be fucking, you know, doing YouTube stuff all day right. long. Right. And that's kind of what I imagine you guys, you guys get together and you guys are just writing, rehearsing, you know, just repping each other. Are you guys just doing that consistently, constantly? Yeah, we were. I mean, we were doing, we were doing live comedy. We were doing filmed comedy because digital cameras became so accessible in the middle of our kind of uh, growth, YouTube came out, which makes right. me sound like a dinosaur. Um, <laughs> and so instead of like sending links to your website to like the 120 friends that you have, yeah. you now can put it up online, send that link and it's easily passable. And like right. people who don't know, you can discover it. Um, but yeah, it was just, uh, I think Mr. Beast, has more of like a business brain than we did collectively. Like I know, yeah, I think he understands like the growth and how to make that happen exponentially. We were focused more on like, what's funny to us? What's going to be the funniest thing? And we weren't really that good at the business end of like how to get the most exposure and like get it out there. Like, you know, I've heard him talk about how, he like redubs all his videos in like 50 languages now oh, to yeah, get more yeah. exposure. And you yeah. go, he's a machine. Yeah, I guess you could do that. Am yeah. I going to sit around and like do that? No, mm-hmm. but like uh, kudos to him because he's built an empire. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, diff- I would say it was more about elevating our comedy chops than being like, hey, how are we going to monetize this or... Um, or, or get this kind of the the wide, most widespread we can get it. Um, we were more focused on like, does this make us laugh? If it makes all of us laugh, it's going to be great, you know. Um, and looking back, those sketches just okay. <laughs> they worked in our <laughs> you know, but yeah, you know, you watch them now and you go, okay, that could have been a little tighter, maybe shorter. Really? Um, Is it hard? Was it was it hard to um, watch yourself in the beginning when I started this podcast? The first time I hear my voice, I'm like, oh fuck, that's so annoying. I can't, yeah. I can't look at myself speak. It was just now I'm kind of like, whatever. Is, is that yeah. how it was for you too? Yeah. Now you realize how great you are, right? Um, <laughs> I don't know about that. No, it's uh, yeah. It for me because I wanted to be behind the camera um for sure you're like oh i couldn't have done it better than that like that's all i got Mm. but then the more you watch yourself the more it's like it's like watching tape dude it's like watching stroke tape where you go oh dude i'm I'm dropping my elbow you know what Mm. i mean like Mm. yeah uh i'm breathing all the way up there what am i doing it's Mm. it's the same kind of thing and you go all right i'm gonna dial in that a little bit more and i'm not obsessive about watching my dailies or whatever um but when i watch the final cut of myself i will learn from like 
oh, that landed kind of flat. You thought you were doing more in that moment right. and you weren't, you weren't, you know? Right. And then right. it just goes back to the thing where you watched my video. And I, I know now a little bit of uh, just facial tricks to go, oh, yeah. that, that illustrates this, right? Um, you know, and whether or not that's good acting or not, but. Um, How'd you yeah. get from writing to then being pulled into that then? You said you prefer to be behind the camera. How'd you get pulled into front? Yeah, so when I joined Second City and you're improvising, that's that's writing, but you're doing it as an actor, right? So you're mm. with you're with the scene partner and you're constructing the arc of a scene, hopefully, and you're not just being funny or coming up with a silly character. You're like building something that grabs the attention of the audience and then has like a turn and like a beginning, middle, and end. And mm. you know, eventually I got pretty and i did a comedy show in high school so it wasn't like i was right. insecure about trying to be funny um but i definitely didn't move out here going like you're gonna be a movie star dude i was like i want to be a rich screenwriter who's behind mm. the scenes doing well and not in anybody's way yeah. um turns out being an actor is way better um, <laughs> <laughs> like, whenever i'm on a writing project i'm like you can't shit on me like this i'm an actor uh, Are you still doing both? Like, are you still managing yeah. to, to juggle both? Yeah, yeah. So I'll be writing between acting and sometimes during acting, uh, I'll take script writing jobs or I'll be writing something that popped into my head, which uh, I think could be good or that somebody would want to buy. But yeah, when you work with producers, all hours of the day, they're like, hey, I just finished reading that. Can you change this real quick before we go in tomorrow and pitch? And you're like, what <laughs> like you don't you have zero respect for my time and then when you're an actor everybody is like hey what do you need are you good let me know if you need anything so oh, you, yeah, you yeah. see the flip it it's crazy it's wild yeah. uh and then so as an actor i'm like no i'm good i don't i don't need anything and then when i become a writer again i'm like how dare you talk to me this way <laughs> you know yeah. you know who i am don't you know um, who i am almost what what's the what's the stereotypes of of things that we would just expect from Hollywood, and then what are what are maybe some of the surprises? Uh, what are the the things you would expect are you know? Um, it's pretentious. Is it pretentious? Um, yeah, it can be. It can be because, and you got to remember, like these are people who are listened to and catered to every day. Mm. And so then all of us, so then you develop this thing where you think, well, everything I say kind of matters, right? Oh, okay, right. <laughs> right? And like, there's a lot of, you're surrounded by a lot of yes people because at a certain point, you can make a lot of money for the people around you, right? right. Mm -hmm. And so when you're surrounded by yes people, it's possible that you develop this thing where like everybody agrees with me, right? You know, um, and some people get into that. Some people dodge that. Some people are right a lot of the time because they're highly mm -hmm. intelligent and well thought out people. Uh, other people less so. Um, so, yeah, there's and you're in a bubble, you know, like you're in L.A. L.A. is its own thing. You're, mm. you're making money from a job that is super fun and look hours can be long you can do 12 to 16 hour days but you know you're not jackhammering concrete you know what i mean <laughs> yeah. um it, it can be strenuous the public eye can also be strenuous sometimes um so there's trade-offs but at the end of the day like we, we all got it pretty good out here um and and some people would argue that this kind of exposure means that you have a certain responsibility to say things, behave a certain way. Um, and some people lean into that because it can be very helpful for people to uh, be seen for other people who are unseen. And then also it can be uh, not so great for people who become train wrecks, you know? Yeah. 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 What about in, in, in terms of staying grounded? Because I've heard you, you've done a good job with that. Like, it, like it's the same for any famous athlete. Like I, I'm, good friends with uh you know ian thorpe and people like that who are just superstars yeah. in in swimming terms and 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 how do you stay grounded yourself um i don't i don't know i mean uh i'm i'm pretty low-key and again my goal wasn't to come out and be a movie star where that is a lot of people's goals you know um and i think the industry itself now 
has pushed this whole like mogul mentality, right? Where it's like, okay, as soon as you're a famous actor, you need to invent your own shoe line and start up oh, a production yeah. company and start mm. a nonprofit and like mm. become a brand. And I right, have zero, I, I don't have any interest in becoming a brand. And I think when you want to become a brand, as opposed to being pushed to become a brand from like your business associates, if you want to become a brand, like to me, that's a whole other like, complex right where you see yourself as larger than life and uh, I, I don't know i don't know too many people who are becoming a brand that are super easy to talk to um or if they you don't have, have a gin uh, uh you know gin you know company coming out or anything not yet not yet <laughs> and and like by the way like you toy with all this stuff because everyone's doing it um but i, I just heard on a interview this morning that mike tyson was on this like shoe shopping show and they're like, did you ever uh, get sponsored by any like Nike or New Balance or whatever? And he goes, I didn't need to. I had my money. Mm. That mentality is gone. No one says I have my money anymore. Everyone mm. says, hey, you know, there's more money on the table. I oh, know you. Right. I know you're a super successful actor, but don't you know that if you start like a, like a book reading club or like a podcast, I mean, I have a podcast now, but mm -hmm. that started during the pandemic, you know, it's a little different. We couldn't do anything. So had to, <laughs> had to pivot. Um, but all these opportunities are there for people who are visible and there's no longer the mentality of like, you know what? I'm an actor. I, I don't need a restaurant. <laughs> you yeah. know? Now people are like, it'd be kind of cool to have a burger spot and make an extra million bucks a year for just, putting my name on something, you know? Yeah, and, when, yeah. and when you see everyone doing that around you, you're like, do I need a gin company? I mean, no, <laughs> but it'd be kind of cool, right? I, like I need one. Yeah. Cool. Or you, you just look at it as money on the table. Yeah. You know? yeah. Um, well, what's next then? Like where, where I mean, you, you get to a point where you are successful with, you know, a show like Workaholics that goes for years and then you- Which you by the way, was my goal. Like as soon as I got to LA and I was like, there were two things happened. Um, I had a job working on a TV show for uh, this guy, Hart Hansen, who created the show Bones. And um, he was like, oh, you want to be a writer? And he was a swimmer. And that was our connection. Mm. And uh, he was like, you know, writers are the kings in TV. Like everything the writer says goes in TV. If you write a movie, it can get rewritten. The director rewrites it. They make it their own. And so I pivoted and was like, okay, I'm going to focus on TV. Okay. I wanna, that's, yeah. I, I actually had that question. Yeah. I want to create my own TV show. Mm. And then when I, and so the way that works is usually you get a staff writing job at the bottom of the barrel on a TV show. You're paid the less, you, you know, get to suggest the rest. You might not even get to write a script. You just contribute in the room to developing all the stories in the arc of the season. Then you work your way up kind of the rung to story editor, producer, mm. co-EP. And then the network, after they're familiar with you, goes, hey, you're pretty bright. We like you. Do you have any ideas of your own? You pitch your show. You're lucky to get one. With Workaholics, the game had changed where executives didn't have to mine just from writing rooms. They could go online and see proven concepts oh, like yeah. they did with the guys from Always Sunny who kind of paved the way for us. And then Comedy Central saw our videos and were like, hey, do you want a show? I mean, like, you know, we had to write a pilot and they had to okay it. And we shot a, we shot a pilot for $50,000 before we got the green light for the show. But I went from zero to 60. I was fetching sandwiches for people on real time <laughs> with Bill Maher. Mm -hmm. And then I had my own TV show. So wow. I got the thing at 28 that I was planning on working for the next 15 years for. Mm. And, and it was everything I ever wanted to be. I wanted it to be. And so after it ended, I was like, what now? Yeah, you know? yeah. And mm. so, yeah, for, for now, it's a lot of kind of like icing on the cake jobs, um, taking jobs that are drama, you know, as a new challenge. Like, can I do that? Um, playing different types of characters uh is that and, something you want to explore like the the dramatic side of your acting yeah because um it's it's just a different it's like trying a different stroke at a meet you know you're like right. i you know i do backstroke enough in practice sometimes maybe i can whip out a pretty good time here gotcha, uh, and you find out if you can or can't um and so and by the way you get paid for all this stuff so like <laughs> if if a cool offer like um 
I was on this show called Inventing Anna, which is a Shonda Rhimes show, mm. uh, had some stars on it. And I was like, this is totally different. Yeah. I'd love to do this and like be part of a high profile drama by Shonda Rhimes, who is just like this next level TV writer producer. Uh, and it was fun. And I got to flex different muscles. Um, <laughs> and now good. the announcement came out today. Uh, I'm on this Godzilla TV show that kind of ropes into all these Godzilla King Kong movies that have been coming out. It's like a tie-in. And uh, now I'm running from giant monsters. And that's Godzilla a whole... TV show. What's that? What's it going to be on? That'll be on Apple TV Plus. Wow. That's yeah. cool. So, you know, that's a whole other thing to run from a giant blue screen and convince the people at home that there is a 10 story monster there that's where those facial expressions come in man see they're gonna right. come in handy now exactly um <laughs> screaming yeah. um do you, do you have somebody that 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 minds that stuff for you like looks for it for you or are you doing that yourself yeah you know you've got agents managers lawyers it's a whole really? it's a whole it's a whole chunk of money goodbye um but these are people who um are looking you know you have conversations with them weekly if not daily about what you want next um what they think you can do how they see you is a whole other thing you know oh, really they, they, are they honest with you like some of these people like hey we think you can do this yes i've been with my manager since i met carrie hayne right okay and right. uh so i've known him for 20 years almost and right. <clears throat> like he's he's honest with me and if he's lying i can tell <laughs> mm -hmm. uh and then you know he works in um uh, in in concert with my uh agents who i actually just signed with new agents a year ago and uh now i'm on godzilla so they are like hey man like you can be more leading guy you don't have to be the goofball and i go oh really sure let's try it um and uh we'll see how it goes you know nice, nice. yeah um, and then as far as writing, I'm writing the Workaholics movie. Uh, right oh, really? Now, there's, a, there's a movie in the works. Yeah. Paramount Plus is uh, the streamer. You know, that's like the Viacom mm, streamer. Yeah. So they're rebooting as things are going these days. They're rebooting a bunch of stuff. And they came to us and said, hey, man, we got to get a Workaholics movie. And we said, let's do it. So uh, oh. just turned in a draft to my boys. They're stoked. Nice. We're ready to go. And hopefully we can film it uh early next year and get it out Damn, to everybody there we go. Little, little breaking news i wanted some breaking news on here that's good yeah you got it also i'm gonna go to trials i'm gonna try and make a uh, paris 2024 we'll see you're doing that too okay good <laughs> <laughs> i'll get you fit i'll get you going oh my god what's that thing in the background man is that a fax machine what is that what's that back there uh, it's a laser jet printer that oh. i can scan stuff on you know <laughs> uh yeah I when like you're right when you're writing you got to print up some pages get out the red pen and cross out all the garbage you just uh wrote over a couple hours you know where do you feel most comfortable do you feel more comfortable writing or or the acting now where are you um probably writing especially when you get like in a groove you're like oh this is funny like this is good okay cool i'm really doing it well, how but, do you do that how do you get in a groove in writing um when you just feel really good about every idea that's popping in your head and then when you go back the next day and you read it and you go oh yeah that's great as opposed to feeling good putting a bunch of stuff down going back the next day and being like is that gonna work does that work you know oh. so like you gotta have again at least my mentality is to get every idea out and just write kind of what ends up being the garbage version of a scene or uh you know that and then rereading it and going oh no it's not that it's it's this and fine-tuning and developing it over and over uh and then moving on to the next scene um, do you have certain conditions that are better for you like do you you know like the lights dimmed and the music on and like well, what's going on when you're in a groove no shirt uh yeah i just get <laughs> in my drag suit um <laughs> no nah, not really because i mean yes do i have some creature comforts for sure. I like a big screen to write on. I don't like to write on like a tiny screen. Some people like to just have like a little laptop and bury themselves in it. I like mm -hmm. a big size screen. I like to have some music going, mm -hmm. uh, preferably, preferably not rap because then I'm just like listening to the lyrics. Right. Whereas mm -hmm. if it's like more music, not writing Tupac into the script. Exactly. Which, uh, you know, you'll get sued for that. <laughs> um, but I try and like listen to just like music that I know really well. So I don't have to be like, 
oh, like, what is Kendrick Lamar saying here super fast that I need to like really tune in for? <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it does. It, if you get too wrapped up in your creature comforts and then you've got a deadline and you're on the road or you're on an airplane, you get in this whole thing where it's like, well, how can I ride in an airplane? I can't ride in an airplane. I don't have my my uh, Tupac. Um, so, you know, you don't want to have that kind of like, everything has to be perfect for me to write. Same as mm. like, if everything's going perfectly before a race and then you're like, oh my God, like, right. I realize whatever, you know, they've got- Plus those, was late, whatever. I'll still, yeah, I'll or they've got like weird blocks, you know, yeah, yeah, get yeah. the job done. You know, yeah. Some, somebody's yeah. waiting for you to do it. Uh, whether yeah. it's you or a producer, or a coach, or whatever. Yeah, you know? yeah. And you get yeah. you might not deliver, but you got to try. Yeah, I love it, man. Well, this is this has been cool. I appreciate you sharing some insights with us and coming on and talking swimming a little bit. In terms of uh, swimming, is there someone that you're amazed with right now? Like, do you you watch swimming? So, like, give me give me a couple of names of people that. Yeah, I mean, I I'm like I watch it. I set the DVR to just pick it up. And I watch it, you know, like as it comes in. Um, so, but the names are like the kid, the kid who just broke the record in the 100 and the 200. Oh, uh, Popovich. Yeah. yeah. He's insane. Yeah, he's uh, like watching that. And I had to hit up a buddy of mine, this guy, Terry Sokaitis, who I swam with in high school, who was a pretty good 100 and 200 swimmer in the early uh, 2000s. He was like a 42 and like a 134, which is pretty good back then right yeah, good, yeah. And, uh they have the same stroke they have the exact same stroke mm. and terry was kind of a string bean until he mm. wasn't and uh i sent him a video i'm like you ever seen this stroke before and he's like Shoot. he's like jesus christ dude that's my stroke <laughs> um this kid's a freak, I, I still want yeah it's just it's gonna be fun to watch um and then this kid the french kid from asu uh, oh yeah i am her marchand yeah i'm like what? Yeah, that kid. That's ridiculous. What are who's gonna step up to that? Uh yeah. he 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 looks amazing. Yeah. Um yeah, I love it. Well, and yeah, but I, and then I watched like Virginia's women's team last year. Hmm. Um just like times that you, you know, I don't want to sound like a jerk, but like I'm like, women are going faster than me now. What's happening? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. yeah I, I, I was down I, there on the weekend, the Virginia women's one of the girls got up on the block and went 21, four in, in a, in a, you know, a dual me or whatever. It was like a, I was like 21, four for women. Like that's good for men. That's fast. Right, right. Right. That's uh, it, it's, it's awesome. And, and then also um, I'm looking at the sport with like the innovations that have happened with like the fin on the block. I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, is it a coincidence that Dressel, who has this crazy vertical leap yep. goes a 17 when now we've got this fin on the back. Yeah. Like, I, know. I, I know he's fast, of course, already, but like, you know, mm -hmm. 17, 17 is pretty crazy. Yeah. 17 stupid. Yeah. Um, and then I, I always wonder about in the time I haven't been swimming, they've added a butterfly kick to the underwater pullout on breaststroke. Yeah. yeah. And I'm kind of like, why do we add that? A fin on the block I get. <laughs> Like that's an innovation where I'm like, yeah, what is the back leg doing out there without the fin? But adding a butterfly kick. Well, maybe I think everyone was doing it. So they're just like, oh, fuck, let, let's just kind, put one in. Kind of like rocking their body. Yeah, yeah. Did yeah. you ever get a chance to swim in the super suits? Um, no, not a top. When uh, when I started swimming, the full leg became a thing. Right, okay. Like my freshman year, I saw Roland Schoeman go 1907 in a full leg suit mm -hmm. at texas invitational and i had to like call my dad i was like <laughs> i was like dad i just saw a guy go faster as he kept swimming you know what i mean like yeah, yeah. He, he didn't get slower he got faster heading mm. into the finish um so yeah that, that was my era people had maybe just started doing uh underwaters to 15 meters at that point um yeah. but yeah i didn't i never did the full body suit you, should, you should try one on just for shits and giggles like just to, to feel it i did um i mean at the triathlon i did um what is it they call it, like the john the sleeveless uh right, yeah. wet, mm -hmm. wetsuit right. and uh i jumped in my pool just a couple days before to try it and i was like oh this is insane yeah. the, buoyancy, yeah, the buoyancy the way you're you're swimming downhill yeah um yeah, yeah. It, it's a game changer. It's, but then, like, you know, I kind of hated the flip turns 
uh with mm. that because it like bunches up behind your knees but i guess that's the trade-off yeah but that's thing that's thing that thing's thick i'm talking like the super suits we're gonna get we're gonna do this we're gonna get you in a super suit man and get this yeah. thing recorded put you up against someone oh, you know you know what i take it back i went back to do the commencement speech at my college at wisconsin uh-huh. and i did a relay race that was uh, me and three of the coaches at Madison at the time, mm. e- each went um, a 50 and we raced a guy and a girl who each went a hundred. Mm. And uh, it was close until I jumped in and just smoked these guys. <laughs> Cause I only had to go 50. So like, they're like, Oh, this guy's a comedian. He, how good can he be? I think I went, it was 20, <laughs> it was, it was a 50 meters. I think I went like 25 something, which I was pretty stoked on. Uh, and, uh, you know, didn't feel too great for about 20 minutes after I just <laughs> couldn't breathe. I'm like, get me out of this suit. Um, but yes, so I technically have worn, and I think the, the kids were in like, you know, their drag suits or whatever. Yeah. 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 Um, and those things, those things are freaky, man. I, I mm-hmm. wish I had have had a chance to like race in one of the real legit ones that the ones right. that they just banned as soon as they bought them in, they're like, oh no, we can't do this. We're going right. to ban this shit. They're too good. Yeah. Well, I've been watching your uh, podcast and so I've been getting more swimming stuff in the algorithm mm-hmm. and someone has put together the like last it was every 50 free of the Olympics. Oh yeah. So ever. Yeah, yeah. And when I saw Popov get on the blocks mm, in a speedo mm. in the suit era, mm. I was like, what a G just like, balls, man. Just straight balls. It's so real. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, he, he, that was his thing. Actually. He refused. He's like, you know what? I'm not yeah. wearing this thing. They can beat me, you know, try and beat yeah. me without it. So I kind of, I, 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 I think that that's cool. Cause he, he represented an era as he even came into another era um you know it's like he's a basketball player who still wears the short shorts or something yeah yeah i'm gonna take a quick photo cool you ready yep do it boom all right man listen i appreciate this has been awesome um thanks for your time Uh, yeah thanks for having me yeah yeah man uh Um, hit me up in a few years we'll do it again We'll do it again after uh, right, right before Paris. You know, we'll talk Paris. We'll talk, we'll talk real I'll, swimming. You know, we'll talk. I'll be Paris. ready to go. <laughs> I oh, keep, man, try, I keep trying to get Rowdy to bring me with. I'm like, come on, Rowdy, bring me over there. Because I've, oh, dude, yeah, I've hosted the Golden Goggles and stuff, and like, oh, you have, yeah, and I've gotten to know Rowdy over the years, and I just love him. He's the sweetest guy, and I'm like, he's a good dude. Let me yeah. do some color commentary, man. Come on, yeah, we can put but, you in there. <laughs> we'll see. All right, yeah, man. well, we do a live show for the Olympics, so maybe we'll slide in one night and we can commentate the 50 free or some shit. You know? I would love it. I would love yeah. it. All right, All right, man. Thanks so much. Appreciate it, man. Thanks a lot. Peace. Take care. Later. Vasa has been the go-to training tool outside of the pool for over 30 years. Vasa's products are ideal for developing power and proper technique in your swimmer's catch. Add a few Vasa trainers to your pool deck, and it's like adding an extra lane to your swimming pool. Go to vasatrainer.com, use code BREAD at checkout, and get 10% off anything from Vasa. Destro Swim Towers. Gain strength in the water with a tower of power. Save $150 per double swim tower by using code BRETT, B-R-E-T-T, at checkout. Destromachines.com.